welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Faith Ryan. The Food and Drug Administration's mission is to protect the public by ensuring the safety, efficacy, and security of drugs, medical devices, tobacco and electronic vaping products, and food. This episode of the podcast, it is my privilege to interview Dr. Amy Abernethy, the FDA's Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting CIO. We're going to be talking about the role of data and technology at the agency, specifically through its Technology Modernization Action Plan, or TMAP. We'll also be discussing updates to its enterprise data strategy, emerging technologies like artificial intelligence to protect and process data, as well as the COVID-19 pandemic response. Hi, Dr. Abernethy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's excellent being here with you today to talk about the FDA's priorities with technology during this time. So just jumping into the interview, and before we get into all of the technology that FDA uses, I just wanted to start off with understanding a little bit more about your background or letting our audience know a bit more about your background. So with a clinical and academic, as well as a health tech background, could you tell our listeners what drew you to your current roles at the FDA? I'm an oncologist by background. I was trained as a physician and really focused on how do I take better care of the cancer patient sitting in front of me. And this led to my academic life being focused on how do we build systems to accelerate the process of figuring out what works for whom and when. And those systems were predominantly focused on more efficient data collection and utilization, as well as using those data to support clinical trials and observational research. And in approximately 2010, I became the founding director of the Center for Learning Healthcare at Duke, where this was the core focus. And one of the things that I realized was that if we were truly going to accelerate the pace of building a learning healthcare system, then we had to focus on the technology side. So in 2014, I did a right-hand turn from a career perspective and jumped from academia to the health tech industry, where I was in a true health tech startup, you know, hoodies, jeans, and the whole nine yards. And I was the chief medical and chief scientific officer of Flatiron Health, where we focused on building high-quality data sets in order to inform what works for whom and when. And one of the things that I saw then was if we're really going to push things forward, we can have this move forward from an academic perspective, from a health tech perspective, but we also have to line up the regulatory and policy perspective. And so about eight months ago, I joined FDA as the principal deputy commissioner and to you know kind of really complete that journey in joining FDA, my focus has been on personalized healthcare patient centricity and figuring out again what works for whom and when. But one of the things I realized was that if we're going to move that mission forward as quickly as possible, the FDA has to modernize the way that we use data and technology. So I took on the role of chief information officer about a year ago now and and both principal deputy and acting CIO where our focus is on how do we modernize the data and technology environment and then put that to work in order to promote and advance personalized healthcare. Great. And as the acting chief information officer, you are responsible for data and technical priorities at the agency. So What exactly are your top health IT priorities at this time? So in September 2019, so almost one year ago today, we announced the Technology Modernization Action Plan. And 
that has been the first part of my health priorities. And in the Tech Modernization Action Plan, we identified the need for a cloud-forward strategy and a culture and organizational focus ready to drive us to the future. That's been then followed by our data strategy, which is in development and soon to be announced. And this is focused on how do we use data at the agency? Specifically, how do we put data to work, accelerate our processes, and also make sure that we're as modern as possible in how we use capabilities like AI and blockchain, and how we then communicate our tech and data priorities at the agency to the industries that we regulate Because practically speaking, what we do at the agency has a ripple through effect in industries that we regulate, including drugs, devices, animal products, and also food and tobacco. Yeah, I mean, that is a wide span of things to regulate. And, you know, balancing the safety and efficacy of all of these products, as well as, you know, the speed of technological advancement and scientific innovation that's, you know, continuously being produced. Could you describe more in detail what the FDA's Technology Modernization Action Plan is and what it aims to address? Sure. Let me step back for a second. So the United States Food and Drug Administration regulates the landscape of products from drugs and biologics and medical devices to animal products, tobacco, and food, as I just mentioned. And importantly, that landscape really reflects somewhere between 20 to 25% of the U.S. and even the worldwide economy. So we have a huge remit where our responsibility is to ensure safety of the products in order to ensure public health and the confidence of the American consumer. And so we're constantly balancing that huge remit as well as the rapidly changing environment, both from this perspective of the problems that we need to address, whether that's the pandemic or the vaping crisis with E-Valley or a foodborne outbreak. So things that have to happen quickly, as well as the increasing demand and breadth of issues for the different kinds of medical products and products that we uh, regulate. So for example, increasing numbers of gene and cell therapies that are coming onto the market. And so our remit is huge. And in order to balance that responsibility with how do we do it well, it has been clear for a while that we need to leverage data and technology in new ways. And therefore, our Technology Modernization Action Plan seeks to address exactly this. How do we scale the agency? And if we're going to scale the agency, we need to do several things. First of all, we need a cloud-forward strategy. That's not cloud only, but recognizes that we need to be able to utilize the cloud in a way that ensures security, ensures efficiency, it ensures financial responsibility, and it ensures that um, we can leverage the cloud in modern ways um, for data management and data efficiency across the agency. Second thing that we need to do as our technology modernization action plan and becoming a more efficient agency is show what it looks like when we put technology and data to work. So build out a series of use cases with a product mindset so that the professional employees of the agency, of which we have more than 17,000 employees, can understand what it looks like when we are using software, using computer hardware, 
using structured analyzable data in more modern ways. And so the second part of the action plan focuses on use cases. The third part of the action plan acknowledges that we can't do this alone. And how do we open up new communication channels with the larger landscape of data and software companies who have new ideas and new approaches that ultimately might help us do our work better? This is not about saying, you know, who are all the vendors out there, but actually what are all the different ideas of how do we solve problems and how do we create listening activities to hear what might be possible and figure out what we can incorporate into our strategies for the agency. So the third part of a plan is communication with stakeholders writ large, especially with a focus on data and technology. Last thing I would say is that if you read the Technology Modernization Action Plan document that's been posted on our website, you notice that we highlight the importance of data. Everything's pointing to how we're going to use data as an agency. And in January of 2020, at the Consumer Electronics Show, we announced that in 2020, we were going to invigorate our focus on our enterprise data strategy. And in fact, we kicked that off in June of 2020 with a virtual public meeting. And our goal there is to accelerate the conversation about how do we store data, manage it efficiently using the newest technologies. It's about how do we analyze data? How do we think about data characterization and quality? How do we think about modern analytic scenarios? And how do we think about the workforce capabilities needed to pull that off? And then how do we put data to work? What are our use cases where data is both core substrate as well as workhorse? And so that's going to be a key focus of our data modernization plan as you start to see that um, come out towards the end of 2020 and into 2021. So I think that what you see is that our focus in our technology modernization and data modernization activities are really about how do we streamline and scale the agency because we recognize that we have a huge remit focused on safety and efficacy of the products that we regulate, and we've got to do that well. You touched a little bit about this subject earlier. Where do you see artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies like blockchain coming into play in this consumer product and clinical review environment? Great question. So first of all, I think about these as capabilities. The capability is artificial intelligence, blockchains, other emerging technologies. And as I think about them from the context of the Food and Drug Administration, they come into play in two different ways. So first of all, there are products that we regulate that incorporate these capabilities. So for example, in the software as a medical device space or in the device space that incorporates artificial intelligence algorithms, we regulate those devices and determine when they are safe and adequately efficacious for use as well as monitor them when they're on the market. An example there might be a continuous glucometer machine, which also incorporates the ability to administer insulin for a person with diabetes. So now this machine might be a closed system that incorporates the ability to sense the glucose and then apply an algorithm to determine how much insulin the patient needs, and then also incorporate a artificial intelligence algorithm and learning loop that gets updated across time. And so we regulate those devices. The second way that I think about incorporating these emerging capabilities into the FDA's environment is when we use 
AI, blockchain, et cetera, for the work we do. So how might we now use artificial intelligence and new automation capabilities to become more efficient? So for example, to be able to better take unstructured documents and abstract through natural language processing and other capabilities, key data elements to create structured data sets that we can now use for analysis, such as evaluation of long-term safety events. And so we put these capabilities to work for us. Another example is the use of distributed ledger technologies blockchain to support the evaluation of the complete supply chain from farm to table for food and also to support the valuation of foodborne outbreaks. And that's a direction that we may be going. And so that is an example of how we would be putting distributed ledger technology to use as the agency, as opposed to specifically regulating the device itself. Not only do you regulate the medical devices, you also regulate the drugs such as insulin or any new products that come out to manage diabetes. And that is incredible. Like it's just like this huge regulatory process. But pivoting to data, could you talk about the importance of real world data and evidence at the agency for, you know, these big review processes or how these data types can be used to inform biomedical science and the approval process for these devices or drug evaluations? So now this is a really interesting emerging area. So first, let's think about what do we mean by real world data and real world evidence? In the current most commonly used definitions, what we're talking about are data sets that are collected reflecting the experience of patients and the longitudinal evaluation of health and are being collected outside of the traditional clinical trial setting. So examples of these data sets include real-world data from electronic medical records. It includes patient-reported outcomes information, either from surveys or also patient-generated health data from biosensors, such as uh, the biosensors in your watch. Real-world data might also be claims and administrative data, such as what your insurance company has. And these days, we're even thinking about social listening data and social networking data, such as what might be identified through Reddit or Twitter and other places. And so these different data sets can be essentially curated, so cleaned up, linked, so different data sets might be brought together to fill data gaps, and then characterized to understand the quality and reliability of the data to address the task at hand. Then the second part of this is how do those data sets become then evidence? And we we call that clinical evidence, real-world evidence, and generally what that means is the reliable clinical information or evidence that's generated from the analysis of these data sets. So how can this help us understand natural history of disease, whether or not a drug works in a particular setting, or how do you make decisions in that setting between drug A versus drug B, or that are they um, relatively equal? And so that would be called real-world evidence. And certainly this is a emerging space. And importantly, as this space has been really developing, FDA has been very active in trying to think through how do we do this work well and when can we reliably incorporate it into regulatory decisions. And in fact, in 21st Century Cures, which was passed in December of 2016, FDA was compelled to provide 
the assessment of how rural data and rural evidence can be incorporated into key regulatory decisions, such as post-marketing commitments and requirements or the expansion of a drug label. In 2018, we put forward our framework for how we're going to use rural data and rural evidence. And the goal is to understand when data are fit for purpose, when the analysis is fit for purpose, and then what are the use cases or tasks to which we can use those data sets. And that's still ongoing. And so this is a huge area of focus for the agency where we expect that we can use these data sets to not only understand natural history of disease and questions such as how do we design better clinical trials? We can also use these data sets perhaps to understand real-world performance of devices or diagnostics to start to understand when we can use these data sets as a real-world comparator so that we can use them as a way of comparing, for example, phase two clinical trial data and other activities in the future. There's a huge area of evaluation for us and something that also aligns with our data modernization strategy because as we start to bring more and more of these data sets in-house and put them to use, we need to also have data management strategies in place at the agency, ideally cloud-forward strategies that make all of this possible. Could we go a little bit more into the enterprise data strategy or updating it for the scientific data? So importantly, this goes into that category that I mentioned around our theme of putting data to use. Um, We anticipate that we'll have a data modernization action plan that parallels our technology modernization action plan to be announced hopefully pretty soon. And the focus is going to be on data aggregation, quality, privacy, issues around governance, um, and issues around analysis. That data modernization action plan is going to include, but not be limited to the identification of use cases that are narrow enough and deep enough to really develop a strong understanding of what data related capabilities we're going to need and also how do we put data to use for the entire agency. My goal with use cases is to make sure that they bring to life the possibilities and tell us what we need to solve next. Another aspect of the data modernization action plan is to develop robust practices for data management, include identification of appropriate data sets that we need, how we're going to curate data sets with a focus on data quality and fit for purpose, provisioning to preserve integrity and security, automation to reduce cycle time, and then ultimately the governance of the entire practice. And then the final part of the data modernization action plan that is as important, if not more important, is the talent development and management across the agency. How do we make sure that we have equipped our workforce at the agency to be best able to leverage data in the future? A lot of agencies, you know, they're trying to work on workforce management and talent acquisition. So it'll be really exciting to see that coming forward. We touched a little bit about, you know, use cases. Are there any other use cases that you could highlight that illustrate, you know, how the agency is really focused on data collection, curation, and analytics during this time? I think, you know, the the pandemic has basically highlighted in full frame how important data are to solving the problems sitting in front of us. And perhaps a couple examples. One is around drug shortages. And I think drug shortages are just one example, but we could substitute the word drug with device, PPE, 
biologics, vaccine potentially in the future of uh, vaccine supply chain management. So drug shortages is one example of, and the management of the drug supply chain or thinking through it is one example. And, and what happened is that COVID-19, it exposed vulnerabilities and created new challenges in the supply chain resulting in increased national and regional shortages. And the drug supply demands have become less predictable, both because of the virus's spread, as well as concentration in hot zones. And therefore, there's the potential to have sudden surges in demand of certain drug products. And as a result, a inadequate supply when there's that surge in demand. And so one area where we've really focused on how do we put data to work is in the acquisition and management of new sources of data, the analysis of those new sources of data, including thinking about modeling supply and demand and the supply chain, and then how do we now develop new strategies to mitigate those shortages. And I see this as a really great example of how we need to work quickly, but thoughtfully to respond to something sitting right in front of us right now. There are a number of examples of where we're putting the data to use across our devices center. This center is called CDRH, or the Center for Devices and Radiologic Health. And in particular, we are thinking about how, for example, might we pull together data sets that incorporate the diagnostic test for COVID-19, such as the COVID-19 PCR test the serology tests, and then connect the test manufacturer information to how that test is performing in real time, as well as test results to understand real-world performance of the diagnostic tests and the serology tests, as well as what does that tell us about population questions such as the proportion of people who've got COVID-19, the development of antibodies and essentially seroconversion with people who've been exposed to COVID-19, and what does that tell us about development of immunity? And so that's another example of how we've been putting real-world data to work for a use case sitting right in front of us in the context of the pandemic. Adding on to what's going on around the pandemic response, FDA, you know, typically the agency is engaging with a bunch of private sector partners and other federal agencies, and keeping close communication is more important now than ever. So could you touch on some of the most notable large-scale projects the agency is working on in regards to COVID-19? Well, certainly within the context of COVID-19, this is a all-of-government effort. I think you see that in the news. We certainly feel that every day at FDA. So we're working with our government partners. We're looking, working with CDC. We're working with NIH. We're working with HHS to address the pandemic. I'd like to highlight one example that um, is focused on COVID-19 and real-world data for COVID-19 and is an example of a public-private partnership that has taught us a lot about what we can do with real-world data. That public-private partnership is called the COVID-19 Evidence Accelerator. It's an initiative launched by the Reagan-Udall Foundation. Reagan-Udall Foundation is the congressionally mandated foundation for the FDA and serves as a public-private partnership space and a unique venue where major data organizations, government, academic researchers, health systems, and others can all quickly come together 
to really start to think about how do we thoughtfully use real-world data to address questions related to COVID-19. Importantly, this evidence accelerator is run by the Reagan Udall Foundation in partnership with Friends of Cancer Research. And then FDA is a very active participant and also serves as a technical consultant. And some examples of how this is working. So one is that through the the Evidence Accelerator, there's been the development of a number of tools that real-world data collaborators can use to do more reliable work. And those tools include common data elements, include common protocols, and also mechanisms to quickly learn from each other, including a number of conferences and meetings that are attended by many different people every week. Also, the Evidence Accelerator includes a set of prioritized questions for people to work on. So right now, really understanding the natural history of COVID-19 is very pressing. Why are people also, you know, developing symptoms late after having the disease? And, you know, what does that symptom experience look like um, is an example of something that we, we need to know and understand better, as well as some acute questions such as, what happens to people in the hospital, what's the mortality rate, et cetera. And then this helps us to plan better follow-on studies, including better clinical trials, the identification of what treatments should be studied, the ability to, for example, look at real-world performance of diagnostics, like I mentioned before. And so these are elements that are really focused on in this large public-private partnership And importantly, you asked about government partners and through things like the Evidence Accelerator, we can all work together even beyond just the government space. So we have NIH and CDC and others who participate in these kind of fora and then also allows us to have conversations with the broad community. What are some best practices or lessons learned so far this year and what are you most looking forward to? I think that one of the things that's striking to me, and it's something that I've seen all across my different careers, but I see it now in the context of FDA and what we're seeing in COVID-19, is learning how to truly hear all the different points of view and work in an equal collaborative frame. This doesn't mean just putting the word collaboration in and thinking that checkbox, I've included collaboration, but actually learning how to hear each other and find best uh, solutions and answers that are in the middle. And, you know, one of the things I've recently been reflecting a lot on is the need for a lingua franca, the ability to understand that the same word has different meanings by discipline. So different things, the tech discipline versus in biostatistics and epidemiology versus in the regulatory landscape and how do we come to a place where we can understand each other. So one of the best practices I see is getting really thoughtful about making sure we understand each other and we find collaborative answers. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to learning. COVID-19 has been a terrible but important experiment. It is bringing to the fore many different problems that need to be solved. And we're going to be tired. We're already tired, but we need to dig in and make sure we've learned about what does COVID-19 teach us about the technology that we need, about the data that we need, about how we can use data for more near-term use cases, as well as how those use cases point the way to more reliable ways to use data in the future. And so I'm most looking forward to that process of learning and making sure we don't let it stop. Thank you, Dr. Abernethy, for sharing all of this great information with us. 
I'm sure that a lot of people are even more interested in the work going on at the agency now and are looking forward to the innovations to come with COVID-19 treatments, but also for a variety of medical devices and products. So thanks so much. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Ryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.